0: So hello and welcome to Passive Attack, the Asset First podcast. Steve, are you surviving up there? I am surviving up here, yeah. Good, good. Any goats running around on the high street? Uh,
1: No, I haven't spotted any goats. Pheasants everywhere.
0: We are now six weeks into this bear market and arguably it might have finished. It would be very short and sharp if that was the case. Markets are now feeling a little bit more confident do you think that we should be investing at these levels or do you think we've got further downside to go and as such should be more wary of these markets? I think all of those things. I mean, it, it depends. What we're not
1: trying to do is time the bottom of the market. We know that in 2007, we saw equities fall 55%. So we've, we've not even touched the bottom of those kind of declines. So if, if your goal is to time this, then good luck to you. That's that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're attempting to do. So if you want the perfect moment to buy risky assets, then it's an impossible task. It's certainly not something that we're attempting to do. It's not something we're geared to do. Just to put today's market conditions in context, if we, if we go back to the beginning of the year, if we go back to the end of last year, it's certainly true, in my view, to suggest that the, that there were very few opportunities to buy risky assets at what we might consider to be good value. There were a few pockets, and we, we spoke about the UK equity market in particular, uh, possibly the German equity market too, uh, but there were reasons that those markets displayed what we considered to be good value, it was because there were risks, uh, there were uh, particularly acute uncertainties. So but the Brexit scenario, the and parliamentary paralysis that came with it, and uh, that was driving UK stocks to reasonable valuations, in my view. And the and sort of political instability in Germany and, and Germany being caught betwixt and between the trade war going on between China and America. So there were reasons that, equity markets had in those particular regions had good valuations fast forward to today and you can see good valuations attractive valuations I should say certainly much more attractive than they had been uh, pretty much everywhere and they're not just apparent in equity markets and equity markets everywhere they're they're apparent in credit too in, in some areas of the bond market as well so what is true in my view is that equity market valuations are much more attractive than they were the start of the year, much more attractive than they've been for several years. So if you want to buy risky assets at uh, reasonable valuations, at attractive valuations, then do so today. Will they be better in terms of their valuations? Will they be more attractive in the weeks and possibly the month to come? Yeah, I mean, that, that much is true. It, 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 that might be the case. I don't know uh, is, is the answer to that one. But but certainly it's it's not an unreasonable time to buy risky assets in big picture and and quite possibly with the fullness of
0: time over the next few weeks we're going to see the development of the uh, the virus and we're also going to get a stream of economic figures coming out which are going to be i guess shocking to the public at what point will they become shocking to the markets i'm particularly thinking in particular about unemployment figures and uh, PMI figures coming through, the sort of thing that we always pay attention to, but they they tend to be fairly benign. We could get some quite extreme numbers. What sort of threat or headwinds are they going to present to us, do you think?
1: We're certainly going to get some extreme numbers. We're going to break all kinds of records. I mean, I mean, we already are. To what extent the markets react to them is, is an interesting question. I think the markets are dancing to the tune. I mean, I'm not sure the economic data is, is that important at this moment in time. I, I, I don't think that the economic data that we're going to see come through. So there are two types of economic data. There's the sort of high frequency stuff, which is often based on surveys, as opposed to a full count of what's going on. That's the stuff that comes out a bit more often. And, and so the PMIs that you mentioned, the purchasing managers indexes are are, are a good example of that. So there's a sort of uh, usually around about the middle of the month, they, they survey people and ask um, ask how they're feeling about new business and all those kind of things. Those are a point in time, and we're beginning to see some of the survey data from the points in time that are now relevant to, to what's going on now. Take the first quarter GDP figures, for example, which won't be available for a while yet, but you know the, the crisis, the full lockdown, the virus has hung around for most of the year, uh, most of that quarter in certain regions, but the... The thing that had the big impact on economic activity was the, was the policy response. It the, was the, the lockdowns and things like that. Um, they were really, so when did the lockdown in the UK come The 23rd, I think it was, wasn't it? The Monday evening. So, I mean, the 23rd is, is a long way into, the, into that quarter. So I suspect we didn't have a particularly good January. Who knows what happened in fact? But I, I suspect that the, the drop off in economic activity over the last week in March was of a scale that could turn the first quarter into a contraction of some kind. So, so, but you know we're not going to know that for a while. I don't think the market's going to be particularly shocked by a very large scale contraction in economic activity uh, during the second quarter, which is which is pretty much uh, assured. And you've got forecasts are coming out for really big declines, certainly in. So if you take the U.S. market. The Wall Street Journal did a a survey of, uh, they do a a monthly survey of of 60 economists or so, and one of the questions pertaining to the sort of pessimistic forecast for US economic activity during the second quarter is uh, is suggestive of a sort of 10% decline in output. But that 10% decline is on an annualised basis. The American, uh, the convention in American, economics is, is to quote an annualized rate uh, of GDP. So you know, to get a rough figure of what that is just divided by four, it's not. So sort of, uh, and I think, was it Morgan Stanley? Morgan Stanley came out with a sort of 30% annualized decrease. So, you know, you're looking at a sort of uh, 7, 8% fall in, in GDP. So I, I don't think the market's going to be shocked by that. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't come as a particular surprise. You know, whatever that number is, it's going to be a big number. I think what's, what the markets are most sensitive at this moment in time is two things. It's, it's the evolution of the the virus. Sorry, not the evolution of the virus itself. I, I, I try to be clear. It's, it's the course at which viral infections are taking. So when are we going to go from a sort of exponential rate of new cases to a leveling off and then a decline? That's what the markets are very preoccupied with. Because that'll give you some ex- indication about the duration of this economic lockdown. Uh, so the, the virus is one thing. The economic activity dropping off a cliff because of the lockdowns is the second, is, is, is the important thing for the markets. The course that the virus takes w- will dictate how long those uh, the lockdowns are in place. And therefore, uh, when we might start to see some kind of uh, increase in economic activity uh, post that crisis point in in the uh, post that peak crisis point, I should say, in, in the virus uh, in the infection rate. So, but there is an awful lot of information that we still don't know about the virus. Uh, you know, including who's had it uh, and therefore who is who remains susceptible. You know, if, if a much larger proportion of the population has had it than we currently anticipate, that means that the number of susceptible, i.e., the number of people that might get it, is much lower. And that has a very different. It also brings down the, the mortality rate as well. So it has, that has implications for policy response that are really quite different to the ones that we're facing now. So, so I, I think the duration is the thing that's missing. That the scale of the decline is shocking, uh, and has shocked the markets already. Whether it has the potential to further shock the markets or not is a is a is, a, is an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that but I think the more important aspect is, is is the duration. It's a big decline, but how long is that, how long is it going to be before we see some pick up in economic activity following that decline? Certainly, we're not going to see economic activity rebound to the extent that it was before the crisis. You know, that's just, yeah, the only thing that would do that is, is maybe some really good news on a vaccine. And, and by the way, the vaccine would have to be cheap and easy to produce and uh, not include uh, material that was scarce, uh, you know, all those kind of things. Chances of that have been remain relatively low, I think. But uh, also some, some, maybe some real improvement in thera- therapeutic. Can we treat people better? Can we get them in and out of hospital quicker and uh, bring down the mortality rate on that scale? That, that would have a big impact as well, I think. So without some miracle cure then economic activity isn't going to recover to the full extent very quickly. It, it, it'll take a little bit of a while. But even even some improvement is going to show up as a, as a very large increase in economic activity. So the scale of the increase, the decrease, is going to be matched to some extent by the scale of the increase, I think. So, you know, if you go from a restaurant with zero activity to, to, to maybe a third or something, that's a pretty big increase in, in the economic activity, even though, you know, 100%. It, it would be better. We're going to see some records broken on the way down, and I, I don't doubt that we're going to see some records broken on the way back up as well. But but I, that, that, that's not to say that necessarily I, I, I think that we're going to get this drop-off in econo- economic activity that's going to be matched precisely by the pick-up in economic activity.
0: Following on from our last podcast, asset-first model portfolios have been cautious on their tactical positions for quite a while now, and we have now taken the opportunity to move them back towards neutral. We're not quite at neutral, but we're pushing them back towards neutral by actually picking up um, further equity exposure and reducing um, some corporate bonds. So Asset First subscribers, um, you will see that coming out in in the new report shortly. As Steve says, we don't know if this is the bottom of the market, but it does look like a suitable time to be investing for people who want to take equity risk and bond risk for the next five years or so so as such it's a perfect time to be reviewing asset allocations certainly not to be bailing out of markets if you can afford to run through shorter term risks in these rather special times then do so and you will be rewarded in the longer term just on this on this point of of caution
1: we weren't cautious because we were anticipating a pandemic or we weren't even anticipating a bear market to any extent. What we were saying during that period of caution was that the valuations that we saw in risky assets were not particularly compelling. And there are always risks associated with by with risky assets. I mean that's why we call them risky assets. And sometimes those risks are worth taking. Uh, that, you know whether they're worth taking those risks or not varies over time, and the risks vary over time. And what we were noticing was that um, valuations weren't particularly compelling. We were happy to to participate in, in the reason we were in equity markets was because even though valuations weren't compelling, we were still happy to participate in in any subsequent gains in in prices. So it wasn't an anticipation of, of a decline in stock prices. It was just an acknowledgement that the valuations were not overly compelling, and, and therefore we didn't want to take broad risks. That now, the reason we've gone from a slightly more defensive position to a slightly more neutral position is that those risks are. Uh, so the risks are still there. It's still an uncertain world, just as it was back then, but the valuations allow for. Uh, for us to take. They're slightly more compelling. So that they promise uh, an extra level of compensation for the risks that we see in the long term. That explains that sort of the mechanics of that move. We may get to a point where we think that valuations are now super compelling, and, and, and therefore that the, the level of premium that they offer in the long term is, is such that we're prepared to greater exposure to them that that may that may be the case it may not be but that may be the case so that's that's really what we're talking about we're not talking about trying to time the markets in any in any meaningful way here I don't you know the bottom of the market is not something that we're trying to anticipate it's not something that really is that
0: important to us Um, I thought we'd actually seen the bottom of the market I thought you said to me earlier that it's definitely we've seen the bottom (laughs) and it's now plain sailing from here on
1: yeah yeah, those words will uh, if they do escape my uh, my mouth it's tongue
0: in cheek please <laughs> please <laughs> that's the position to date we are we're certainly not panicking um we're taking a pragmatic view that if, it, if from a financial planning point of view it's right to be investing then now is the time to be possibly looking at moving more towards a neutral asset allocation exposure by putting a bit more risk on the table steve thank you very much you uh tread carefully up there in the frozen north and I will tread carefully down here and we'll do all this again at some point in the next month. We'll come back to you then. Thank you. Bye.